If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. Well, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground Coffee and California Politics Live every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. where we sit and we chat and talk about California politics. Um, obviously, over coffee. Uh, today, I am enjoying a nice Lava Panther uh, by Black Rifle Coffee. So, uh, that is the coffee of choice for today. It's a new That's not bad. It's, it's a medium roast, but... Um, there's going to be a lot to get to today, and I want to get through as much as possible so we can have that time for discussion, usually towards the end. Um, halfway through, we, we open it up for discussion and comments and questions and stuff like that, because that's really the point of this, is to give you like a space where you can air your grievances, say your opinion, say what you want to say, and not feel judged, because that's the whole point of this, this whole platform, is that you have a place where you can go and feel like you're connecting with people who are sort of on the same level as you are, just looking for some good solutions here in California. Um, so the topic of today that I wanted to start off with was this idea of the Democrats going absolutely bat shit crazy. Um, excuse my language, but that's really what it's come down to now. And I feel like this past week or so, we've seen a lot of Democrats really just go completely off of the deep end in the sense that you see stuff that they're saying now doesn't it, it just doesn't really make any logical sense like if you looked at the demo if the democratic party of 10 12 years ago or even you know 15 years ago if you told them this is what they would be advocating for and you told a lot of democratic supporters this there'd probably be a lot of democrats who were like um no, that sounds absolutely crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. You've probably listened to Rush Limbaugh and you think that's what's going to happen. But no, it's what's happened. And now we're at this point where people are they're, they're saying stuff in the Democratic Party that you just go, I can't believe they're actually saying this stuff. Now, of course, I'm always a glass half full kind of guy. If you've ever tuned into this program, you know that I always try to look on the bright side when it comes to this stuff, because I think that's important. And I think you have to find opportunity wherever you can get it. And specifically in this case, I think that the Democrats are going off the deep end really does help, especially in a year like 2022, which is poised to be a red wave sort of year where the Democrats are going to lose a lot of power and basically make Biden a lame duck president. I mean, he's already basically been a lame duck president because everything he's trying to pass, he can't get passed. Um, but it will be the icing on the cake once Republicans take over in uh November. I don't know why I blanked on that. But today I want to talk about some of the craziness that's coming out and dive into it and also talk about why I believe this is really a silver lining for people who are not Democrats or people who are on the right or libertarian or moderate or independent. This is a silver lining because I think they, they when you talk about stuff like the Overton window and the slippery slope, First off, I think instead of cracking the Overton window open, I think what they've done is they've blown the entire wall out. And in terms of slippery slope, it's not a slope anymore. It's just a nosedive off the top of a skyscraper. It's not even a slippery slope anymore. They're just going, we're going all in, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to be absolutely crazy. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is this article. And I'm sure you've seen the headline before, and I'm sure you've seen it floating around. 
And usually when I see a lot of the headlines floating around and people kind of going, oh, you got to check this out. You got to. I always urge people to do your research and actually read the article and see what they're saying. In this case, I was not let down. In fact, I was more shocked at how crazy this article got. It got even weirder and crazier to the point where I read it and said, this person is absolutely nuts and bonkers. And even if it's just one person, and even if it's just a small portion of people on the Democrat, because he had, he says, he basically espouses that this is for the Democrats' benefit, that even if that's a small portion, it still says to the rest of the Democratic Party, holy crap. We've gone completely insane that this is even an opinion here in our sphere. So what's the article I'm talking about? It's that true. It's called want true equality or equity. Now, keep that in mind. Equality and equity are not the same thing. Equity. California should force parents to give away their children. I'm going to read some of it. It's not that long of an opinion piece, but it is absolutely bonkers. Um, if California is ever to achieve true equity, the state must require parents to give away their children. Great opening line. I'm sure people are already on board with you. Today's California often hold up equity. The, I, I keep trying to say equality. It's equity. The idea of a just society completely free from bias as our greatest value. Governor Gavin Newsom says he makes decisions through a equity lens. Institutions from dance ensembles to tech companies have publicly pledged themselves to equity along with diversity and inclusion. But their promises of a newly equitable systems are no match for the power of parents. So we have we talked about this last week when it comes to values and it comes to how the Democrats are much better than people on the right or libertarians at presenting these things through the lens of value. And it's very sexy. It's very easy to just go. These are the values we believe in that everyone should have, you know, everyone should be equal and everyone should have an an equal opportunity. That sounds great. And that's a value that a lot of us, I don't think anybody's really against. I don't think anyone on this live is going to say, I'm not against that at all. Um, But they couch it in this term of like everybody has to be equal and everybody has to have the same opportunities and all that. Sure, there's equality of opportunities, which is what America is about. And we want to make sure everybody has the equality of opportunities, meaning you have the chance to make something of yourself and make yourself uh, a better life for you and your family. Um, So they couch these things in these values. And it sounds great. And it it gets votes and people feel good about themselves because they... um, they, they, they can say, I voted for this person. They're the good guy, you know, as they say. But now it's gone a little far off the path as to the fact that we haven't gone far enough. That uh, Even though there's all these equitable programs that they're pushing in California and they're trying to make equity this big thing, they haven't gone far enough, according to this writer. Um, funny enough, I was watching a YouTube video yesterday of Mark Dice. I don't know if anybody watches him. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes I watch him. Uh, but he had a really funny video where he went down to the boardwalk here in San Diego and he talked about reparations and how he asked people who were like, are you for reparations? And people said, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm for reparations. Um, how much would you give them? And he said 500 and 1500. And so he challenged people for like the next black person to walk by. He said, we'll just give them a hundred dollars. And the people go, oh, no, 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 it's not. I, I don't want to do that. I, that doesn't. Um, no, I, I don't have any cash on me, even though he's like, you can Venmo them, but that's besides the point. So that's what I'm talking about. When I say like these values, people are for the values, 
But when it comes to the actual practice of the values, they're not so hot to trot about them. Um, mother, fathers and mothers with greater wealth, education, or other resources are more likely to transfer these advantages to their children, compounding privilege over generations. As a result, children of less advantaged parents face an uphill struggle. Social mobility has stalled and democracy has been corrupted. More Californians are giving up on the dream, a recent Public Policy Institute of California poll found, to climb bent beliefs in the notion that you can get ahead through hard work. Now, I want to pull up this poll that he was talking about from PPIC. Um, and I, I, you know, I would agree. I think there's a lot of people who, and the poll nails it on the head, that the American dream, especially in California, doesn't hold as much weight as it used to. It's harder to get ahead. Um, it's definitely harder in California to really get ahead. Um, and this, this idea of you can get a home, you can make it better for your generation, because that's always been the American dream is the basis of the American dream is you can make a better life for your children and then your children can get a better life and then they'll make it better for that. That was the, always the American dream is that you can move and progress through society. You can progress through generational wealth and, and, and generational success. Um, and it just goes into all these, these polls. Um, uh, did, 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 did. Let's see. I'm just trying to pull it up. Democrats, uh, yeah, 37% say it still holds true in California. 43% say once held true, but not anymore. And 20% never held true. Okay, so 20% are the people who obviously don't like America. Um, Republicans, 46% say it still holds true. 52%. It's funny that Republicans in California actually think the American dream still holds true, especially in California than Democrats do. Um, 52% say once held true, but not anymore. And then a small portion that might be just that, like the idea of patriotism that you still want to believe in the American dream. Independence 29 still holds true. 53% once held true, but not anymore. 19% never held true. Um, yeah. And it goes on. It's, it's a whole thing about, um, yeah, most say the American dream is harder to achieve in California. This is pretty interesting. Uh, 76% of Republicans say it's harder to achieve in, in California. It's 46% say it's harder to achieve in California and 67% of independents say it's harder to achieve in California. So again, I've talked about this before. These are the silver linings you have to look at 67%, almost 70% of independents in California believe it's harder to achieve the American dream in California, Right. So that shows you there's about 70% of independent voters who are saying it's a lot harder to achieve the American dream and be successful in California. What does that tell you? There's a whole bunch of voters out there who are not happy with the status quo the way it is. The way it is. Add that with 76% of Republicans who think it's harder and 46% of Democrats who think it's harder in California to achieve the American dream. That's a lot of voters out there who believe that it's hard to achieve that dream here in California. Um, but that's besides the point. I, 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 when I post the podcast and the audio, which I always do, I always post an audio version of this. I can post the, the, these, uh, links in the notes back to this article. My solution is simple. And while we wait for legislation to pass, we can act now. This is where it gets kooky. So hold on to your coffee. The rich should give their children to the poor and the poor should give their children to the rich. Homeowners might swap children with their homeless neighbors. Now, 
I recognize that some naysayers hopelessly attached to their privilege will dismiss such a policy as ghastly, even totalitarian. Where would you get the idea uh, from? Where would you get that idea from? The idea that taking away someone's children and giving it to somebody else, that where would people get that idea that that sounds totalitarian? But my proposal and here, don't I'm spit take warning. Don't spit out your coffee. But my proposal is quite modest, a fusion of traditional philosophy in today's most common political concessions. So I guess this guy also took philosophy in college. He's going to flex his muscle here. I also took philosophy as part of political science. In his Republic, Plato adopted Socrates' sage advice that children, quote, be possessed in common so that no parent will know his own offspring or any child his parents, end quote. In order to defeat nepotism, prevent the amassing of great fortunes, and create citizens loyal not to their sons, but to society, to replace parents, Plato offered now familiar ideas from compulsory education to a millennia before Newsom's conception of college agenda, health regimes for pregnant women and children age five and younger. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, now... Socrates was a philosopher. If you don't know who he was, he was a philosopher back in ancient Greece. Plato took, it was a student of his. He took and wrote this book um, to go over what Socrates said. Um, And obviously a lot of what Socrates said was philosophical. And that's the whole point is that philosophy is this exercise of the brain where you say, let's just talk about crazy ideas and see what happens. Not everything in philosophy and not every philosopher, everything they say is absolute gold. Um, and this is one of those cases. And I don't think that this is what Socrates is saying, where he says the state should have control over your children for basically the entirety of their life. Um, so he says that we already have compulsory education. You, Your children are required to go to school from one age to another age. And then after that, after they're 18 or whatever, they don't have to go to school anymore. How they go to school is a whole different story. And that's a big issue coming up, I think, in this election across the country, and especially here in California with a proposition, is the idea of school choice. Does the school have to be a state-sponsored school? Does it have to be a state-sponsored institution? Um, and he's saying that, yes, it basically should be a state-sponsored institution, that it should be the state has control of your kids from the day they are born until they are adulthood. Um, and Newsom, who is basically pushing this radical idea, this conception of college agenda is that at every point of their lives, they would be in preschool and then that state run preschool. And then they would go to kindergarten and kindergarten through all grade school, middle school, high school, and all that stuff. They would basically have almost, I don't know, 18 years of state sponsored indoctrination. And that's what this guy is really kind of raw, raw cheering for is that he wants your child to be the property of the state and to be indoctrinated for 18 years and you have no say over it. Now, let me tell you something. Tell me how that went in Virginia. Tell parents that idea and see how they reacted in Virginia. There was hard backlash against that. Now, of course, because um, they saw this backlash in Virginia and um, they're actually seeing it in other states as well, like Michigan, where where parents are starting to push back because they see this pushback by parents, which is great. Parents should be able to push back on this stuff. Hey, we're paying our, our tax dollars to these state sponsored institutions. They should be pushed back on. 
they've decided that we should just get rid of parents altogether because parents seem to be the final obstacle to controlling your kids and indoctrinating to become worshipers at the altar of the church of the state. And you, you pesky parents keep getting in the way by wanting school choice and wanting to know what we're, what we're teaching your kids and how dare you question exactly what our agenda is. So this is what he's proposing is that we should just get rid of parents because the only way for us to really accomplish this goal is to get rid of parents because they're they're the last ones in the way. Now we'll get back to why this is a crazy idea and why I think that this is actually going to backfire on a lot of Democrats. Uh, today, Universal Orphanhood aligns with the powerful social trends that point to less interest in family. Californians are slower to marry and are having fewer children. Our state's birth rate is an all-time low. I would argue that has really nothing to do with children itself. I would say that probably goes back to that poll by the PPIC, which says that it's harder to achieve the American dream here in California. So why would someone have children when it's so expensive to just live in California that they can't fathom the idea of like buying a house, raising kids, sending them to school, sending them to a good school, being able to provide for them, give them a good life. There are probably a lot of parents who are just going, well, or potential parents who are just going, well, we're just not going to do that. We're just not going to have kids because it's too expensive and we don't want to do that. Um, I think there's a lot of parents when they enter into the idea of having children, they always say, are we ready? Because we want to be able to give our kids a better life than we had. Um, and that I think is tied to the fact that California is a hard place to achieve this sort of American dream. Um, surveys also suggest many of us are breaking off ties with family members who don't share our politics. Again, preparing you for the spit take, uh, spit take. So if you're drinking coffee, swallow. But my proposal would be unifying, right? Unifying, fitting hand in glove with the most cherished policies of progressives and Trumpians alike. Boy, does that sound really unifying. Progressives, as if ah, progressives, this fantastic notion, and Trumpians. So already you're calling him a name. Doesn't sound very unified. The left's introduction of anti-racism and gender identity in schools faces a bitter backlash from parents. Fair enough. Ending parenthood would end that backlash, helping dismantle white supremacy and outdated gender norms. Again, he's saying the quiet part out loud, which is you pesky parents keep getting in the way of what I what we're trying to do here, which is indoctrinate your kids and not believe in the nuclear family and hate the country and hate America. Um, and you pesky parents just keep getting in the way. And how dare you keep questioning stuff like critical race theory and all that stuff. My proposal also would give Democrats the opportunity to build a new pillar of the social democracy they seek, a system for raising children called, quote, foster care for all, end quote. Under this system, Democrats could stop pretending that they will enact universal preschool or child care, which they've promised and failed to deliver for a generation. Again, saying the quiet part out loud is that he's a party loyalist and cares only about the Democrats and gaining power. Fair enough, because, I mean, he know he understands the cycle, which is if you take over children and indoctrinate them for 18 years without any input from from parents in these state-sponsored institutions, 
you teach the kids along the way that government is fantastic. Don't question the government. We're all knowing. We're all powerful. Worship at the altar of the church of the state. And then by the time they get out, when they're 18 and they're able to vote, guess what? They love the government. And then they just align perfectly with whatever the Democrats are saying. So he's already saying, he's been saying the quiet part out loud, which is basically we want to create little factories where kids can go and become good little Democrats. And they'll they'll be good little statist Democrats who can will abide by whatever we tell them to when they're 18 and, and just give us more power. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. We don't want free thought. We want you to believe our political party. How this is unifying, I don't know. He thinks this is unifying that people, parents who voted for Trump are somehow going to go for this. Like, I don't I don't know any parent who voted for Trump who would probably go for their kid being one, given up as if it's a piece of property and two, letting them be in a state sponsored uh institute or indoctrination camp like he's proposing for 18 years without any say in it so i don't know how unifying that is but he says it's unifying so i want to keep going because there's a couple other things i want to get to uh over on the right you'll see people posing as parent defenders now this is this is some pretty great straw manning right here i'll uh, if you don't know what straw manning is straw manning is where you set up a a bad argument you, like your opponent's argument and you knock it down because it's such an easy thing to do. That's what straw manning is, basically creating their argument for them. This is some top-tier level uh, straw manning. But Republicans are happy to jettison fathers and mothers to pursue their greatest passions, like violating migrant rights. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about immigration. It has nothing to do with children, and you won't be able to control them anymore, or, or you have to give them over to the state. Once you've gone so far as to separate immigrants from their children and put the kids in border concentration camps, it's only a short walk to a wholesale separation of all Americans from their progeny. Wow. That is some incredible mental gymnastics to say that somehow if you support strict immigration, you support the separation of children from adults because they want to make sure that they found they came over with the right people that they aren't being brought over by coyotes or smugglers or anything like that that they're actually coming over with their parents um that somehow means that you also believe that your children should be uh taken from you incredible straw man i don't i don't really see how that fits together but again this is a unifying message right like he's already said this is a unifying message and trumpians and progressives and trumpians will get behind this full force because he thinks this is a unifying message then there's the pro-lifers the idea of universal orphanhood dovetails nicely with the conservative campaign to end roe v wade and all abortion rights in fact, a suggestion from Justice Amy Coney Barrett in a recent Supreme Court hearing on the case that could overturn Roe inspired me to write this column. She posited that abortion rights are no longer necessary because all 50 states now have, quote, safe haven laws that allow women to turn their babies over to fire or police department at birth. My proposal would merely make mandatory such handovers of babies to the state. Wow. Again, straw manning the entire thing. I think what Amy Coney Barrett is saying, there's no reason to allow for all the way up to partial birth abortion when you can give the child over 
to the services that will take care of it and find it a good family. Not the same, not, not anywhere close to the same as if you believe that you must believe that you should be able to, you should give your kids up to the state. That, this is some incredible, incredible writing. Um, I don't know if this guy's like half-heartedly joking, but I think he's actually pretty serious. Perhaps such coercion sounds dystopian, but just imagine the solidarity that universal orphanhood would create. Wouldn't children raised in one system find it easier to collaborate on climate change and other global problems? Meaning, wouldn't it be great if they were all part of one state indoctrination system owned by the government so that they would believe and be brainwashed to believe our goals are the best goals? Wouldn't you think that's the best way to do it? Um, No. No, because people can disagree in this country and people that's basically the whole point of why we set this country up is so that people can disagree and people can send other representatives to government who disagree. Um, the idea that he just wants to create, and he said the quiet part out loud, he wants to create a factory of good little Democrat status who will just believe everything that they push forward as an agenda. I, he just says it right there that basically we want control of your children because we need to train them and indoctrinate them. So by the time they're 18, they'll be good little party loyalists, give us more power. And because we all know climate change and all this stuff has really nothing to do with like what they're trying to do. Um, but they want to push this so that they can get these little good little party loyalists who will just believe it and put them in power and give them more power, which in turn means more money, which means more power and all that. Um, now, I don't expect universal support for universal orphanhood. Really? I'm At least you recognize that you don't expect universal support. I don't think you'll ever get universal. I don't think you'll get even a majority of support. I don't even think you'll get a plurality of support. A few contrarians lost in the empty chasm between American extremes might object to this rational proposal. (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't even read that without laughing. Might object to this rational proposal on emotional grounds. Imagine being emotional of the thought of the government coming and taking your kids away from you and you never see them again. You're basically like a hen in a hen house. Uh, They come in, they take your progeny away from you. See you later. You don't get to see your kids ever again. Thank you for for brooding our new party loyalist. You don't get to see them ever again. You have no you have no connection with them ever again. Um, They might argue that pursuing your own conception of family is fundamental to freedom. You think? Yeah, I. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely fundamental to freedom to raise your family how you believe. That's. Sort of the foundation. Or that our differences in bias for all the damage that they can do also give human life much of its meaning. They also may suggest that people don't really want to start or finish at the same point in life. They may even say that we really desire. It's what the title of Orphan of the Musical Annie insisted upon. I didn't want to just be another orphan, Mr. Warbucks. 
I wanted to believe I was special. But you shouldn't pay those critics any mind because they can't see how our relentless pursuit of equity might birth a brave new world. Crazy. Obviously, leave your comments. I'm going to open it up in a little bit uh, to chat about this because this is crazy. Um, And this person actually believes this. Uh, I wanted to look this up. Connecting California column for Zocalo Public Square. I'm sure it's a very neutral and well-researched resource. Thanks for being obsessed with us. Oh, okay. So I guess you can go ZocaloPublicSquare.org. For all those uh, who uh, jumped in and don't really know what I'm talking about, it's that whole column that was put out by this guy uh, that was then republished by the San Francisco Chronicle uh, about how we should just be giving up all of our kids to the state. And um, yeah, but I'm sure this guy is very well balanced and I'm sure he's very, his message is very unifying, if that's one thing. But I will say this is the craziness that a lot of people probably look at and go, what the heck? Um, is it a little bit of red meat for the right? Sure. Do people on the left really care about this? No. But if it spreads far enough and people see this headline and they see what this article is really about, there's a lot of people who I would believe moderate Democrats probably don't believe in this. Uh, Probably a good portion of Democrats don't believe in this. Uh, Probably a large swath of independents will don't believe in this. Obviously, Republicans probably don't believe in this. Libertarians don't believe in this. So this is the stuff that I look at and go... This is good. This is good because you've gone absolutely insane. And the fact that the San Francisco Chronicle, who is a bastion of leftist journalism, decided it would be a good idea to publish this in their paper shows that they support this. And this isn't like somebody went out and said, oh, I'm going to find this one crazy little article and this one crazy little opinion blasted all over the place. And it's an article or a blog that no one cares about. This is published in the San Francisco Chronicle, a large major newspaper. And we already know San Francisco is pretty far left anyway, but there's got to be a good amount of people who saw this and got national attention and went, what the heck? Now, I already see a lot of comments. People saying, oh, they're brainwashed. They probably won't believe this. I disagree. I would, I would, I would wholeheartedly disagree because I think there is a strong proportion or uh, percentage of, of of parents, even if you're a dyed in the wool blue Democrat who would look at this and go, I don't believe this is really what we're we're about. I I don't believe that this is really what Democrats want to want to push for is giving up your children to the state. Now, is this a small minority of the the Democratic Party? Absolutely. I'll admit that I'll, I'll say that this is probably a small, this idea, I mean, is very radical. Um, see, Joe Rogan shared it. So it's already getting more and more people who are not, you know, Trumpian as she like or he likes to say, she, he, I don't like to presume their gender or whatever, you know, I don't want to insult him. Um, but I think this is one of those things that people see and they go, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. This isn't where we're going. And I, you know, a lot of you probably say, well, every Democrat's brainwashed. I would disagree. I think there's a lot of Democrats who over the past two years have turned around and said, I, I don't support what's going on here. And I don't support what's happening with this party. And I don't support the policies that they're pushing. And you're going to lose them. And a lot of those people may not 
switch to registered Republican, but they may vote for Republicans and they may vote for an independent. They may vote for something different than a Democrat. So that's the silver lining uh, that I see in this specific instance. Another story that popped out crazy this week was uh, this guy. Let's see. I want to make sure I get the right video is I'm sure you've heard this before is this guy who is the uh, I can never pronounce his name Chatham Chatham Chamath who's partial owner of the Warriors mind you this guy actually wanted to run in the recall election last year he, he thought about running in the recall election uh, against Gavin Newsom as a Democrat so he's part owner of the Warriors he's a bajillionaire and this clip came out and this is what he said So uh, he came out and said that if you could hear it, what he basically said is when pressed about the Uyghur Muslim genocide in um, going on in China, he's part owner of the NBA team, the Golden Warriors, which the NBA has a huge amount of stock and money invested in China and China invests in them. Uh, he basically said that nobody really cares. Nobody really cares about that. And of course, the, the person who was speaking with said, what do you mean nobody cares about the Uyghur Muslims? Um, his flippant attitude of, well, no one really cares about this genocide and it's below my line. I don't think, I mean, we all know that. We know people in the NBA don't really care about this stuff. Um, they, they act like they care about this stuff, but they don't really care about this stuff. And the Golden State Warriors released a statement today. I was trying to find it. Um, where they basically said, well, his statements don't reflect that of the Golden State Warriors and yada, yada, yada. Okay, then say as the Golden State Warriors, we're against the genocide of Uyghur Muslims. If his statement does not reflect what you're saying or what you believe, then just come out and say, yeah, we were against the genocide of Uyghur Muslims in China. But you won't because you obviously have a lot of money tied up in China and you make a lot of money from China. So you don't want to upset China. Um, so you don't want to bring up the Uyghur Muslims and what's going on with the genocide over there. So while you can say it doesn't, you can, the Golden State Warriors can come out and say, I don't, we don't believe that, or we don't, well, that's not our statement or that's not our stance. But when you fail to refute it, it sounds like it kind of is your stance that you really don't care. Um, that was another example. And then I saw this today from one of our favorite, uh, you know, cheerleaders for the establishment. The biggest rah-rah, listen-to-me sellout of, of all, you know, corporate media sellout shill uh, has got to be Stephen Colbert. I think Stephen Colbert has got to be the biggest shill for the establishment. Um, and it's sad that the late show has fallen this far. I think Johnny Carson would be uh, this. Actually, this is David. This is Dave Letterman. Tonight's show was uh, Johnny Carson. But either way, any of these late night hosts would be upset with what really these late night shows have become, which is basically peddling propaganda every single night. Um, none of his monologues are, are anything funny. It's just him standing out there. Same thing with Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel does the same thing. They use their monologue as a chance to grandstand and stand on their soapbox. It has nothing to really do with jokes. Um, 
So this is what he said recently. So um, you can't see it, but he's showing a video of Kristen Cinema getting into a car and she has like a white and black striped dress on. I thought we weren't allowed to comment on women's looks, Stephen. I thought that was unbecoming of a man, a white man of privilege to talk about a woman's looks. Now he's calling her Mrs. Hamburglar. Um, but that's just, I, I, I'm confused where the standard, where's the double standard? Where does it lie? You can hear booing in the background. While I continue to support these bills, I will not support separate actions that worsen the underlying disease of division infecting our country. What is the legislative filibuster other than a tool that requires new federal policy to be broadly supported by senators representing a broader cross-section of Americans? No, no. Not representing a broader cross-section of Americans, the 50 senators who are currently filibustering the voting rights bill represent 41 million fewer Americans than the senators who support it. Stop acting like the filibuster is anything other. What does he say? What does he finish this on? Because he was he's cheered to uproarious. Okay, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on the filibuster. And um, actually, a poll that came out uh, recently, not that long ago, this is Gazette.com. The poll conducted by On Message Inc. from January 7th to 9th found that 53% of likely voters support the filibuster, 27% oppose it. So actually, um, a minority. And while other another 20% are unsure or had no opinion, because most people don't really understand what the filibuster really is. And that's increased from last June when it was 47% said they support it. So it's actually gone up and actually the people who oppose it has gone down. So um, the people and actually 3% it shows left the did not have an opinion or unsure and joined one of the it sounds like they joined the support. Um, so when he says the filibuster does not represent a cross broad cross section of America. He's dead wrong because the majority of Americans support keeping the filibuster. And I would bet Democrats are going to be happy that the filibuster is still in place when, um, you know, if Republicans take over Congress and there's a Republican president in 2024, I bet they're going to be really happy that there's still a filibuster in place so that you can't just ram this stuff through. Um, now, I know that they always try, oh, this is democracy, and it's an attack on democracy and all that stuff. The Senate, and I don't want to get, and again, I won't open this up because there's probably a lot of people who have comments about the first article and stuff like that. Um, the Senate wasn't created, the, first off, the Senate was created to be a balance, <coughs> excuse me, because there was the big states, and if they left it just up to representatives, the big states would always win because they have all the representatives, so they created the Senate. 
which would be even, meaning that every state gets two senators, no matter what size. Um, and now he's saying that's anti-democratic because somehow the 50 senators that are opposed to it represent less people. But that was the whole point of creating the Senate in the first place was so that the big states and the big cities didn't run roughshod over the rest of the country. That was exactly the whole point of creating the Senate. That's what made it into our founding documents is that there was this balance of, well, we don't want New York and all these big states like Virginia to run us, run over the little states. So we're going to create this system in this other house where everyone gets two and it's all even and they have to agree on both of it. Not to mention the Senate itself, they passed the 17th Amendment so that it was popular vote and the people would vote for their senators. Before that, it used to be state legislatures, which I could argue, and that's really wonky of me. I don't want to get into it. Um, state legislatures used to send senators to the Senate, which I think that's how it really should be, but that's a whole different story. All right. Final note, and then I want to open it up because I do have a little bit of a hard stop at 10, is I see a lot of this craziness, and I think it does push the needle. And a lot of people will say, and a lot of people will comment, it doesn't wake up a lot of people. It wakes up enough people, though. It wakes up certainly a lot of independents, and it definitely wakes up a lot of moderate Democrats. People who put themselves out, I always hear this term thrown around, the JFK Democrat. Um, I always hear that kind of thrown around. So let's just use that as the nomenclature. The JFK style Democrat. It does push a lot of the independents into a different party it does push them to vote for something different it does vote push them to do something different with their political uh policies or their affiliations because at the end of the day they look at the stuff and go i don't know if i really believe all this anymore and it's that famous ronald reagan line of i didn't leave the democratic party the democratic party left me and i think you're probably going to see a lot of that and especially in a year like 2022 it's crazy that democrats are really putting the pedal to the metal on a lot of this stuff and thinking, this is it. We really got to go for it. And we got to go full gusto. We got a far left status. We got to go far radical. Um, and I think it's going to bite them in the old buttocks come November of this year, because I don't think a lot of people stand for this. And when we talk about values and we talk about people selling values and framing your message, I don't think the Democrats are doing a better job now than Republicans can do. And when your whole message is, well, we should separate kids from their parents and the state should have have that. Well, then people go, eh, I'm not for that type of equity. Uh, I'm for a lot of equity, but I'm not for that type of equity. And I think Republicans have to get better. And the Republicans have to kind of hit these values that are shared values amongst a lot of Americans that are the majority of Americans want. They want a good home. They want to raise their family. They want to send their kids to a good school. Um, they want to have a little extra money so they can go on vacation or save for retirement and stuff like that. Those are a lot of values that a lot of Americans, I think, can get behind, whether you're Democrat, independent or Republican. And those are the things I think a lot of Republicans should be kind of moving forward on of like, hey, remember this? This was sort of what we all kind of agreed on. These are our shared values. And that's what we're for. The other side's not for that. The other side is for taking all those values away and throwing them in the garbage disposal. Um, but that's that's the silver lining. The silver lining is that if this is only January and they've gone this crazy, imagine a couple months from now. They may try to move back to the middle, but I think they've done enough damage that at this point, I don't think it's that reversible. I think a lot of people are looking at this going, wait a second, this has gotten a little out of hand. 
Um, and I'm not really a fan of this anymore. And COVID was the start of it. I, I, I will say that I think COVID was the one thing that woke a lot of people up. It woke a lot of Democrats up and it woke a lot of people who were apolitical up to say, what the heck is going on? And I want to be, uh, you know, I want to figure out what's going on here and figure out real solutions. So with that, I'm going to open up to comments and questions uh, because I do have 15 minutes left and I, I don't want to go over because I do have to get ready for some work to do today. You know, my day job. Also subtle plug, not so subtle plug. If you're looking for a organization that is focused on those solutions and those values that are pretty much we all agree on and what we want to see out of California, make sure you join us next week. Uh, Tuesday, January 25th at 6.30 at Naughty Barrel downtown for the first ever Calipublican Mixer. We're going to be talking about the platform so you can learn more, how you can get involved, all that stuff. I've posted in numerous amounts of time. Um, but yeah, if you want to get involved, that's the whole point is we're, we're trying to find a way to move forward, not backwards, and try to combat the statist arguments. So, um, Someone said, it woke me up before COVID. I was a raging liberal. Now I'm a conservative homeschooler. See? So for all those people who said it doesn't wake anybody up and that they are brainwashed, that's right there. Example number one is that someone said they were a raging liberal and now all of a sudden they're homeschooling their children. COVID accelerated this. This they used this time to really become extreme. Yeah, I think they... Um, yeah, next, I, I think they, they really kind of pushed it. And, and Newsom said it as well. He said the quiet part out loud, which is that COVID is allowing him to usher in a new progressive era in California, as if we're not already in a progressive era of California. Although I would argue his progressive era is more regressive than progressive. But, you know, that's a whole nother issue. I've talked about that before, that for some reason, the left thinks they own the word progressive in terms of progress. I don't think so. I think they're very regressive and we, maybe we should start calling them the regressives because that's really, it seems like they're not progressive as in terms of we're progressing society. They're regressive in terms of things are going backwards and things are going, getting worse. Um, Camille says next month we have an event in having an event in OC. Oh, next month us have an event in OC. Oh yeah. Somebody said that as well. They wanted to have a Calipublican event up in OC. I'll look into it because I think there's a good amount of people in, uh, orange County who would be interested in the Calipublican platform. Um, and I think if San Diego and orange County could have like two good Calipublican chapters that kind of change things, then it can kind of spread to the rest of the state. Can you talk about the healthcare news that Newsom did this week? I'm a concerned nursing student in California and trying to become more informed. Okay, so for that, uh, I'm actually going to do tomorrow's podcast all about the healthcare law. Okay, what's been proposed, what Newsom is backing away from. The whole episode is going to be about the healthcare thing. I really want to dive into it, what the specifics are, what it would mean. Um, any sort of raising of taxes would have to go to a public vote of all the people. Um, so I really want to get into that, the nitty gritty of it and... Um, yeah, so tomorrow's podcast, not today, because there's just so much to get into. So keep an eye out for that. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, the audio podcast, you can do so on Spotify, Google, Apple, all that stuff. Um, also, I have a new sub stack. If you want to see me see my writings and stuff like that, I miss the writing. 
any of you original people, you remember I used to do a, what I called out of the gate monologue, which was talking about whatever. Um, and I used to write a lot more, but um, recently I, it's been more about guests and stuff like that. So I don't mind. I like having guests on Riverside. Somebody says uh, we should have something in Riverside. Yeah. One of the time, we're, we're, we're going to try and, and, and take this across the state. Calipublican is going to be a statewide organization starting it here in San Diego, because I think San Diego is a ripe, fertile ground for it. Um, but I also think that like the OC is good. And I, I think we have to prove that we can win and, and beat stuff here in, in kind of like purplish counties um, before we go out to like the red counties, because that's what's really important. We have to chip away at these strongholds so that California can slowly start becoming purple. Um, I'm not a Republican, but maybe the Sacramento area needs these mixers too. Yeah, well, Sacramento is really far. So hopefully maybe when it's really successful and, you know, we can travel all over the state. I'd love it. I'd love if this was a statewide thing, like a whole bunch of chapters popped up. Um, I think we can make like, I think this could be a big movement and a lot of people would kind of jump on board and be like, um, I'm for this. Because I, I agree with your values. It's like I posted the values yesterday of what the Cal public can stand for. And I think there's a lot of stuff that people are like, yeah, that's what I agree with. Whether you're, you know, moderate Democrat, um, independent, Republican, I think those are values you can kind of look at. Um, former California legislator Roger Niello has announced running a newly formed California Senate District 6. Sacramento suburbs recycling politicians considered being green. Um so he was, is he an assemblyman or is he running for Senate? Because sometimes you'll see that you'll see like assembly people will step up and become senators, which, you know, sometimes that's not the worst thing in the world that they, they get termed out and they have to kind of hop on, hop into the Senate, which not the worst thing in the world. Um, when I said like, there's a lot of recycled politicians here in California, I was specifically referring to, um, Scott Bow, who I guess has a lot of convictions and he's been running, he's been sort of like a perennial runner and he's just kind of been recycled over and over again. And you feel like the party just kind of goes back to them over and over again of like, you know, like we're just going to keep running this person until they win. Um, it must be nice to be like a perennial candidate always running and, and, you know, making money and stuff like that. And, you know, we're, we're going to have some stuff coming out about a perennial candidate soon. Um, and them running all the time and just making that their full-time job. But that will probably come out in a couple weeks, probably early February. <laughs> um, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I meant. And, and that was actually not me. That was Brian Burley um, who was running. And, it, you know, he's right. The, the California GOP doesn't really allow new thought and a lot of new new blood to get in. So it, it's they complain that, you know, we don't... They complain that we keep losing and that we don't, but you keep running the same people over and over again. Like, okay, that, that didn't work last time. If they were competitive, that's a different story. You know, sometimes if you, if you have your first race and you lost by a little bit, but then you win your second race, that's perfectly normal because a lot of times the first time is you're getting your name out and unless you run an incredible campaign and win and flip a seat, most of the time it's, you kind of set it up for the first run get your name out there. And then the second run is really where you get over the hump. Um, so 
yeah, that's that's what I that's not recycling politicians. I'm talking about like they move politicians around and they keep using the same ones over and over again. And they're like establishment politicians. I don't think we should have that. And I think, again, that's why a cow Republican wants to get behind new blood and people who want to do this. What do you think the mass leaving of Dems are the running against stronger conservative or just tarnished by radical Dems? Um, I don't really understand the question. What do you think the mass leaving Dems are they running against stronger conservatives or just tarnished by radical Dems? Uh, I don't really understand that question. So there's still spots to RSVP. Absolutely. Yeah. Calipublican at protonmail.com. Um, if you don't already follow, you can follow Instagram. There's plenty of space. I mean, we're just trying to get a head count of how many people are going to be there. There's plenty of room. Uh, Naughty Barrel is giving us the game room, which is a pretty big area. Could probably fit about 50 people, 40 to 50 people. Um, do you think the name Calipublican could be a turnoff? to a lot of people because we may lose the moderates thinking that it's a radical right-wing agenda. You know, I thought about that um, and I kind of went back and forth about whether it should be affiliated with any sort of particular party or not. And I think the issue is this. One, when it comes to marketing, you want to give people some sort of belief that they're on a team. And I think if you can give people that identity of a team of like, this is, I'm, I'm now a Calipublican, you know? And a lot of people like to say, well, I'm like a libertarian, but they're not part of the libertarian party. They say I'm a libertarian. Um, do they enforce the muzzles at the event? I, I don't know. I don't think so. The, the owner of Naughty Barrel is, is one of us. So I don't think he's that worried about it. Plus it's eating and drinking. So, uh, we're all going to be eating and drinking. Um, so no, it won't be like we're going to some crazy place where they're going to yell at you and ask you for some sort of passport. So anyway, the, the, the reason why I named it a Cal Republican, one, because the, the philosophy and the root of the idea of a Cal Republican comes from basically Republicanism, which is that Republicanism throughout the throughout its time being around hasn't always been just a small government conservative movement. It's also been a populist movement. It's been a movement for reform. It's been a movement for transparency. It's been a movement for uh, returning power to the people, localized government and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of it does come from my inspiration and sort of my admiration of Teddy Roosevelt, who believed that you just do what's best for the people and that sometimes it does require a government solution. Sometimes it requires the government sticking its nose out of it. But I think the idea of calling it a Cal Republican event is that you want to separate yourself and say, look, we're focused on just California issues. Cal Republican is going to be focused on just California issues, state races, local races. You know, it, it, that's what it's focused on. It's not focused on Congress. It's not focused on Senate. It's not focused on DC 3000 miles away. Cal Republican is focused on this idea of, we just want to come up with solutions. And I think if you named it something kind of like ambiguous, it doesn't give people a lot of idea of what they're joining or what they're doing. And instead, if you give it a name like the Cal Republican Caucus, you can then say, oh, I'm, I, I identify with this group because I believe in their values. And there's a lot of people like that, that person who just said, hey, I was a radical liberal. Now here I am a conservative. And there's people who are looking for that other option where they say, is there anybody else who, is there any other option that I can be a part of and support 
that aligns with my values and wants to get stuff done. So yeah, I kind of went back and forth on the idea of calling it Calipublican or something else or, or just sort of some thing. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get like a official board and stuff like that, whether Calipublicans are going to support like if it's a moderate Democrat versus a far left Democrat. Does it make sense for us to kind of step in and go like, hey, you should support this person because they're still better than the other option. Um, so stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of went back and forth as well, but it also, I think, gives people the idea. And when I saw that there's 25% of people who are independent and no party preference, it showed me that they were looking for a better option out there, that they just hate both parties. So the idea is you want to give them a, a political home. Uh, I hope that's a, a long-winded answer. Okay, I got time for like one more question or comment. Um, a lot of stuff coming up this Friday. I know we've been pushing the Cal Republican event. Also, if you're in the San Diego area, I invite everybody who's in the San Diego area to come out and join me and the San Diego Young Republicans. Uh, we're going to be at Flamingo Deck over in Mission Beach. Um, I think it starts around 5.30, 6 um maybe around that time i can post the flyer again it's actually on my profile it's the tamika hamilton event um come out meet tamika she's she's an incredible representative um and i think she is she's doing great things she's setting up the blueprint you know i I think she's setting up the blueprint of how to win in california how to flip districts and um it's going to be at flamingo deck this friday if you're in san diego i highly suggest you go um Everyone's welcome. There is a suggested donation if you want to support her, but not required. So if that's something that's holding you back and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to go to these events because they always ask you for like $200 at the door. We just want to see you there and we want to see people and and support Tamika and, and let her know that we're behind her. Um, hear her out because she's she's a great candidate. And I, I say we could use like 100 Tamika Hamiltons across California if we had you know more Tamika Hamiltons. Hopefully she's the the, the blueprint of what we can do moving forward, especially in terms of like Cal Republican and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I highly suggest join me Friday. It'll be a lot of fun. Flamingo Deck's cool. It's got big old drinks, like these big like bowl drinks. Um, nice place right by the beach. Um, and you can rub, rub elbows and shoulders with a lot of political people. So if you're in the area, you're in San Diego, definitely come join us at the Tamika Hamilton event. Uh, let's see. Somebody asked a question back here. Are you going to be teaming up with Scott Pressler? I would like to, yeah, because um, I think what he's doing, why why cre- recreate the wheel? I want to reach out to him and be like, hey, we're setting up this uh, political action committee called Cal Republican Caucus. Um, we're trying to you know register more Republicans who believe in this platform. Um, how do you do it? Because um, that's the basis. If you, we, we can increase our numbers, that that's key. Um, also, when it comes to uh, that's another point as well, why I want to start the Cal Pumpkin thing is because the California GOP, I believe, is so open to it. There's an opportunity there to kind of reshape the whole party. It's kind of a shell of its former self. And I think why reinvent the wheel when they have the infrastructure and all that? Why not just take over the whole party? Right. That's what I think. Um, you know, if they have the infrastructure and all that stuff, let's go for it. I sent you a schedule. Hopefully you'll be able to connect with him. Yeah, hopefully I got to reach out to him. Um, 
he would be someone I, if I could take 15 minutes of his time for him to say like, Hey, this is what you need to do here in California. Uh, it'd be great, you know, and, and just to have him on our radar because he's someone who believes you, you can make change in a lot of places and he he's undeterred. Ooh, sorry about that. Random ring with my telephone, my business phone. Um, all right. I got to finish up. So any final comments or anything like that? Uh, I'll see everybody at the Tamika event on Friday. I'll be there. Uh, Flamingo deck. Check it out. Next week, the Cal Republican event. Uh, I'll be hosting that event. We'll be kicking it off. It'll be the first time the Cal Republican event. And then if it goes well and there's a lot of enthusiasm, hey, we'll we'll start doing events all over. Maybe we'll do it in Orange County. Maybe we'll, we'll kind of figure out where we need to go um, and where there's demand for a Cal Republican caucus. So with that said, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, as always, uh, for all your support. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 